So we're talking a while on the subject of identity. Don't let anybody tell you who you are. Let the word of God tell you who you are. Don't let anybody put a label on you. A label like, well, you know, you were born this way and that's the way it's going to be. You're a victim. You're a victim of circumstance. No, you are not a victim of circumstance. You are a victor in Christ Jesus and you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Amen. See, your career, your job, the money you have and the money you do not have does not define you. You know, even if you're going through a real serious test right now, a physical test, cancer doesn't define you. Hepatitis C doesn't define you. Leukemia does not define you. I'll tell you what defines you. Your father, the master of the universe, has defined you and he's stamped in you by his stripes. You were healed. Amen. So the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But we are not the sick trying to get healed. We're the healed and the enemy's just trying to make us sick. Amen? And so what you and I do is we resist that rat steadfastly with our faith. So what have we found out in this series thus far? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we found this out. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new creature. He is a new species that has never existed before. The old things are passed away. Thank God your old man died with Jesus on Calvary. You were crucified with Christ. You died with Christ. You were buried with Christ. And now you've been raised to a new life with Jesus Christ. And so what we do is we put off the old man and we put on the new man. The new man is this new man in Christ Jesus. I want you to pay particular attention to this. If any man be in Christ, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. You are joined to the Lord and the Lord is joined with you. And old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. One translation says, behold, the new and the fresh has come. Amen. You're a new creation with a brand new life. Isn't that good news? Amen. We discovered this, that we've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Now the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as new creations in Christ Jesus, you have been made right in God's sight. He has taken you out of darkness brought you into the family of God, into the kingdom of God, and he has made you the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. It says, For he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin for you, amen, with our sinfulness, that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Amen? And we discovered this, that righteousness is a free gift. Now, that gets us caught up. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians, the second chapter. If you have your Bibles, let's open there. Ephesians, the second chapter, and the 10th verse says this. For we are His workmanship. Say this with me. I am am His workmanship. For we are His workmanship. Again, we see the words, in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God has before ordained that we should walk in them, that we should walk therein. Now, this word workmanship in the Greek is poema. Poema. We get our English word poem or poetry from that. And what this word workmanship signifies of us, because we are in Christ Jesus, we are specially designed by the master artisan of the universe. Hallelujah. You are custom designed, tailor made by the master's hand. Custom made, tailor made by the master's hand. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. You are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship no wonder David said this I will praise the Lord with my whole heart because I have been fearfully and wonderfully made I'm looking at a group of people that are his masterpiece then you are fearfully and wonderfully made I'm not going to talk anything less about myself because I'm looking at my life through the lens of Calvary. I'm looking at my life through the lens of redemption. I'm looking at my life through the lens of how God sees me. Shout it with me. Say it with me. I am his workmanship. You've probably all heard of C.S. Lewis and C.S. Lewis said this. He said, we are a divine work of art. He said, if Rembrandt's artistic masterpieces have great undisputed value, they do have great undisputed value, would not God's one-of-a-kind human masterpieces convey even greater value? Hallelujah! You see, the truth is this. B.C., before Christ, our lives had no rhyme. Our lives had no reason. We were looking for things that would give us joy, that would give us peace and give us happiness in every wrong place. Some of us ended up to be addicts. Other of us ended up to be alcoholics. I don't know what your testimony is, but thank God when you found Jesus, you found everything you'll ever need. And so before Him, your life, had no rhyme, it had no symmetry, it had no order. But Jesus, the great artisan, brought symmetry, he brought balance, and he brought order into our lives. Because we are God's poem, we are God's work of art. And here's the good news, guys, he's not done with us yet. Some of you need to begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. And stop being so down on yourself. Stop condemning yourself. I got a word for you today that the one, the grand master, the one who made you and created you in Christ Jesus, he who begun a good work in you, he will complete it. He will fulfill it. He will see to it that it is done and completed and finished in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many of you are believing God with me today? We are His masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus. Now, we want to take this a step further. I want to look at the amplified version of this particular verse. And I want you to notice a phrase that just jumped out at me as as I was preparing for this message. It says, We are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. 
that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us taking paths which he has prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living what kind of life? Living the good life which he prearranged and he made ready for us to live. The phrase that came out to me was this, taking paths which he has prepared for us ahead of time. I mean, from before the foundation of the world, Jesus had you on his mind. God had you on his mind. He placed within your heart certain things that he knew that you would walk in. There are things that have been prepared for you and for me. The question is, is are we prepared for the things that he's prepared for us? There are paths to walk in. There are plans that God has for you and I that we can walk in, that we can live in, and that we can rejoice in. Now notice with me, as his masterpieces, we are to follow the plans We're to follow the path that He has for our lives. We enter into this path at the new birth. Amen? God's got specific plans for us. Look at Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. And notice with me in verse 11. Now this verse is from the uh, NIV. I entered in to God's path for my life at the new birth. Way back in March of 1975, I really heard the good news for the very first time. How many of you can remember when you heard the gospel for the first time? Oh man, I'm telling you what. I I heard that Jesus loved me. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for me. And when the altar call was given that night, glory to God, I was the first one out of my chair to the altar because I wanted and I needed what God had for me. Amen. I entered into this at the new birth. Now notice what in Jeremiah 29, he says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Now what that means is this. If God knows those plans, don't you know that he's going to let his plans be known unto you? In other words, he's not going to withhold the knowledge of his will for your life. Now, there are some things that we do to tap into the knowledge that he already has for our lives. But if he knows them, you can know them. So I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Now, notice this phrase, plans... To cause you to go broke. (laughs) Plans for you to live in poverty. No, our God is not poor. His name is not El Chipo. Last time I checked. His name is El Shaddai. He is not the God of less than the least. He is the God of more than, more than, more than enough. So his plan for you and for me from before the foundation of the world was to prosper you. Prosperity is the will of the great planner. 
And when you connect yourself to his plan and to his paths, even though it may not look like every need is met, even though it may look like days of lack and days of being broke, if you'll just keep walking, if you'll just keep talking, if you'll just keep praising, if you'll just stay on the path, if you'll just stay in the plan, folks, the provision will come. The provision will come. He is the great provider. And he knows how to prosper you. He knows how to see to it that you get what you need to walk out his will for your life. Have you seen that in your life? I wonder if anybody can testify that God is a good God. And even though it may look like it wasn't going to happen, it did happen because God had your number. Hallelujah. I mean, if we, if we testified, we could testify all day the times that God has come through again and again and again. Well, if he came through yesterday, he'll come through today. And if he came through today, he'll come through tomorrow because he is the God who doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, my plan for your life is to prosper you and to see to it that you will succeed on this journey that I have for you. Somebody ought to get happy about that. I'm telling you, folks, you need to get happy before the money comes in. You need to shout while the walls are still looking at you in the face. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Plans to prosper you. Plans to cause you to succeed. Plans to enable you to always triumph in Christ. Plans to give you the victory. What kind of plans does the great planner have? He has prosperous plans. Prosperous plans for you. Prosperous plans for me. To prosper in our spirit. To give us a peace that passeth all understanding. To prosper in our soul. To prosper in our body. To prosper in our finances. Glory to God. For us to go from being the borrower to the lender. Amen. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Woo. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Ha 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 ha. Glory to God. <laughs> Woo. Thank you, Lord. Plans to prosper you. If I were you, I wouldn't go my own way. I'd go his way. I wouldn't go my own way. I'd go Yahweh. Well, somebody says, I've been going my own way for several years. It's time to do an about face and repent and turn around and go with God all the way every day of your entire life. Amen. Plans to prosper you. Plans to prosper you. And prosperity not only includes your needs being met, but includes your, your, your kinfolk being, being blessed. Includes your children to be blessed. Amen. You know, a good man leaves an inheritance. Not an inheritance of unpaid bills. A good man leaves an inheritance. 
not only to his kids, but to his children's children. Somebody says, I wish I could do that. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. What Brenda and I have started doing, and it's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. But what we started doing is we opened up a college fund for our kids. You know, and our grandkids. Boy, if we were our kids, we'd be in big trouble. But for our grand, I mean, $25 a month. $50 a month. When I leave, I want to leave something for them. I want to leave a legacy for my children's children. I want to leave a legacy for my spiritual children. I want to leave a legacy here in the Bay Area. So he's got plans to prosper you, Raul. He's already started. Thus saith the Lord, he ain't done yet. (laughs) Hallelujah. Everyone say more. More. Glory to God. More, 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 more. Not that we're like Jimmy and we'll take everything you give me. So, let's get that verse back up here. For I know the plans that I have for you. For you. You and you. Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And not to hurt you. He's not the one who hurts. He's not the one who steals. He's not the one who kills. He's not the one who destroys. That's the thief. He's the one that wants to harm you. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Our brother that gave the testimony about the cancer in his body, the devil meant that for evil. But God turned it around for good. Now don't you dare get under condemnation because there's symptoms in your body. Don't you dare think that your faith won't work for you. Your faith works for you. Regardless of pain in your body, regardless of symptoms in your body, you just stay in faith long enough. Here it is. It's the law of displacement. You just get so full of the Word and full of the Holy Spirit, whatever it is that's bugging you, it'll just have to move. Amen? That there's room for no more. Hallelujah. God knows the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. And not harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you hope. We live in a hopeless generation. You look at all of the homeless Places in the Bay Area from San Francisco to Oakland to Fremont to Union City. I mean, all over the Bay Area. Homeless is running rampant. And one of the key things that you'll see in homelessness is hopelessness. What is hopelessness? No vision of a future. No vision for a better tomorrow. No expectation of good. That's what hopelessness is. But you don't have to be homeless to be hopeless. That's what I got in the first service. You can be a born-again Christian and have no hope. 
But God says, part of my plan for your life is for you to get a reinvigoration of your hope. For you to go from a place of no vision. You see, I believe this, that the only vision a lot of Christians have is television. And you watch television long enough, your hope will go way down. I don't care whether it's CNN or whatever the case may be. You watch some of those movies on television, you're going to go away feeling dejected and hopeless. But oh, thank God, if you look into the perfect law of liberty, if you will forecast your day by Romans 15 verse 13, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound and bubble over with hope. See, part of the master's plan is to prosper you and to give you hope, give you something to live for. To where you get up in the morning and you say, thank God, this is the day the Lord has made. Today I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. What if Pastor Tom walked up to the pulpit today like this? All right, guys, we're going to praise the Lord now. I don't know if you all feel like it or not, but I sure don't. Come on, let's praise the Lord. You'd be looking for a new church next week. What if Brenda went up to the microphone and said, huh, it's been such a tough week. It's been so rough. I don't know whether I can make it through this service. How long are you going to preach, Pastor Mark? Please get done so I can go home and go back to bed. You'd be looking for a new church. But that's not the way it is in this house. And that's not the way it should be in your house. For you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for an increase of hope. I know that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Lord God, those that have been stooped over and stooped down by the circumstances of life, I pray for an infusion of divine hope in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you praise. Lift your hand up and start praising Him for a moment. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Hallelujah. So we've got a glorious future in God. A glorious future in God. Hallelujah. Get excited about it. Your future is bright. Get excited about your future. Get excited about the things of God. Get excited about the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm excited. You know that word Brother Mark had for Brenda and I the other night, that our youth is being renewed like the eagles. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I work out. Yeah, I lift weights. I'm not Charles Atlas or Jack LaLanne. No, don't get me wrong. But I try to stay in shape a little bit. But he's not talking about your physical youth being renewed. He's talking about your spiritual youth being renewed. And when your spiritual youth is renewed, it will affect your physical life. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the fact that people half my age are going to look at me and say, how in the world are we going to keep up with him? That's my hope. That's what I'm believing God for. And then he said about this church, 
that we're turning a corner. We're turning a corner. It's not like an abrupt turn, but we're turning a corner. And as we turn that corner, the Master will be with us every step of the way. He will lead us. He will guide us into all the truth. See, it is not God's plan or His plan for us to decide what His plan is. It's to discover it. And here's what we do. We need to invite Him to do that. Psalm 25 verse 4 says, Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Show me thy ways. One translation says, Show me how you work, God. School me in your ways and lead me in the path of truth. This comes by acknowledging Him and inviting Him into our everyday life. In Psalm 16 it says that He will show us the path of life. Because in the presence of God there's fullness of joy. You see, when you're in the path that the Master has planned for you, it's going to be a path of joy. It's not going to be something that's difficult or hard. The will of God is light, and the will of God is easy. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have, not going to have trouble. It doesn't mean there's not going to be some afflictions on this path and on this road. But remember what Jesus said in John 16. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. But then he goes on to say, but be of good cheer. Why, Jesus? Because I've already overcome the world. So there's going to be some afflictions that show up on your path and in the plan of God. The psalmist said it like this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him or delivers them out of half of them. Can't fool this bunch. He delivers you. He delivers me out of them all. You know what the afflicted are supposed to do? The afflicted are supposed to pray. The afflicted are supposed to praise. The afflicted are supposed to be of good Cheer. The psalmist said further, he said, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. This is Psalm 27. The message says this, Point me down your highway, God. Point me down your highway. Direct me along a well-lighted street and show my enemies whose side you're on. <laughs> oh, So understand this, that he's not making it hard to get on the path. He's not making it difficult to stay on the path. He's just looking for a man or a woman that will invite him to show them. And he's given us the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to direct us. Say it with me. The Word and the Holy Spirit will direct my path. Now, first of all, the Word. The Word. Everyone say the Word. Psalm 19, 130 says, The entrance of His Word gives us, gives us light. In other words, we see some things from the Word of God. One translation says of Psalm 119, 105, By your words I can see where I am going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. Amen. So while you're on this path, 
And when you're walking in the master's plan as his masterpiece, you just simply walk in the light that you have. You know, when Brenda and I started out in ministry, we could only walk in the light that was given to us. We could not see in 1977 the year 2019. We couldn't see in 1977 the things that God had prepared for us from a big picture point of view. Amen? So what we needed to do and what all of God's masterpieces need to do is simply take the light they have. Walk in the light that you have. Somebody says, well, I don't have much light. Well, if you'll walk in the light you have, He'll give you more light. Because in His light, we see more light. Another way we could say it is this. If you'll walk in the direction that He's given you, and you'll get on that path as you take your steps of faith that are ordered by the Lord, He'll give you more direction. In other words, He'll show you what to do. He'll give you the next step. And that's what is required by all of God's people as His masterpiece, walking in His plan and walking in His paths, is to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, if He showed us everything that He had for us back in 1977, first of all, it would have blown our minds. Brenda would have looked at me and said, how does a girl from the country end up in the San Francisco Bay Area? And all I can say to that is, how are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've been in the Bay Area? Amen. (laughs) But in His light now, what light do you have? What light do you have? What has God shown you? Well, Pastor, I want to get from 2019 to 2025. You've got six years. And so there are no steps that you can override. Every step that God's given you must be walked in. In other words, if he's told you to serve in this church and you're not serving in this church, you are violating the light that he's already given you. I I, 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 I heard the organ there. Thank you. (laughs) I, I, I felt something up in here. Woo! Glory to God. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, I know, I know that I know that I know that I'm supposed to be in the pulpit. Well, you might be in the pulpit one day, but now it's time for you to clean the toilet. That's what Ed Dufresne said. He said he went from the toilet to the pulpit. Now I realize and understand that's a little graphic. But you've got to walk in what God's given you today. Well, I know one day I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Glory to God. But right now, Pastor, I've hardly got two nickels to rub together. Well, that's okay. Walk in the light that you have. Give one of the nickels to the church. Take a step of faith. Come on now. Take a step of faith. Amen. Take a walk on the wild side. Amen. Take a walk on the faith side. Brenda and I would have never gotten to the place we're at today if we hadn't taught Sunday school. If we hadn't been willing to serve in the local church and to serve others. It's so vital 
And it's so important. Pray it with me. Show me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. And so we have the Word of God. By His words, we can see where we're going. And in His light, we're going to see more light. Oh, there's so much more. There's so much more. There's so much more for you sitting in this church. I've got so much more. Why? Because He is the God of the mucho, mucho mas. He's the God of the much, much more. Now then, He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Word. The eyes of our understanding get flooded with light. And then He's placed the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him on the inside of us. We're the temples of the Holy Ghost as we are God inside it, inside-minded. The Holy Spirit will lead you. And He will guide you into the entire truth for your life. He knows the truth. And as you submit yourself to the Master's plan and the Master's path and commune with the Holy Spirit, He will literally reveal He will literally declare. He will literally transmit to you what the Spirit gets from the Father. And He will make it known unto us. Look at John 16, not verse 13, but verse 14. We'll just look at this one verse, and I want you to see it. Ready, read with me, please. It says, He will honor and glorify me, because He will take off, receive, draw upon what is mine, and will reveal and declare and disclose. Hallelujah. You know, during this impartation conference, God transmitted some things to you, didn't he? Hallelujah. He imparted some things to you, didn't he? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. When we don't know what to do, he's a sure thing. He will always show us the way. Oh, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me just give you a quick illustration before we close. You know, back in 1977, Brenda and I got married, praise God, in July 22nd of 77. And before we were married, I actually became the pastor of a small church. It was a Pentecostal church before I really knew what an old line Pentecostal was. I mean, I didn't know what a real Pentecostal was. So here I am, pastor in a church of 12 people. And by the way, they were all family. All family. And not a happy family. An unhappy family. But I didn't know the difference. I was so thrilled to be able to get into the pulpit. I thought, thank you, Jesus. And at the time, I was working for Kenneth E. Hagin for his ministry. I was editing his tapes. I edited the Name of Jesus series. I edited How to Be Led by the Spirit of God series, part one and part two. I edited how to, uh, uh, What to Do When Faith Seems Weak and Victory Seems Lost series. Edited all those. I worked literally with his word, with the word of God for eight hours a day, and they paid me. They would give me a reel-to-reel of his teaching on how to be led by the Spirit. In those days, Brother Hagin preached 100, 105 minutes. And they said, we want this tape to be 90 minutes or less, so you need to cut out 15 or 20 minutes. 
See, I know what's in those 50s and 20 minutes, and you don't. So I work with those reel-to-reels all day long. All day long. I put together his radio broadcasts all day long, all day long. And all the time, something's getting imparted into me. Something's happening on the inside of me. I'm not only getting full of the Word, but I'm getting full of the Holy Ghost. I'm mean, right there in that studio. I'm getting full. I'm getting it filled under overflowing. And then I got the opportunity to pastor this church before Brenda and I were married. And the first sermon I ever preached was tape number 511 by Brother Hagen. I literally took tape number 511. You don't know what tape number 511 is? I do. Tape number 511 is the God kind of faith. So I took that tape and I literally transcribed it out by hand. And I got up in front of that church and I preached that message word for word. Hallelujah. God blessed us. God blessed us. God blessed us. See, we were simply walking in the light that we had. And then we were there for about a year and a half. We got married. And then we had this bright idea that we're going to go to work for Norval Hayes. And we thought, okay, Norval's invited us to go travel with him. And we'll knock on doors and tell people about Jesus. And we'll go into the fraternities and the sororities and and sell, uh, what's that called? Stationery. And we went and did that for a little while. And it just didn't work out. I can remember, you know, the, the, we let brother, brother, uh, Brenda let Brother Hagen know we were leaving. He walked into her office where she was. She worked with the prison ministry. He walked into her office and uh, he, he, she said, Now, Brother Hagen, we're going to be leaving pretty soon. We're going to get busy for God. Here's Dad Hagen for you. He says, Aren't you busy enough? And walked right out. <laughs> haven't, haven't you been busy enough? Just walked right out. Wow. So we went there. Well, we ended up not doing well with Norval. How many of you know sometimes you can get off the path? You can get out of the plan of God. You can think this is right, but it isn't right. And I don't mind admitting it wasn't right, but it's all right. Why? Because God still loves us. And God's still for us. And God's still on our side. Because we had a foundation of faithfulness. We had a foundation of serving God. Listen, friends, if you've missed God before, don't be so hard on yourself. Just get yourself up, act on your feet, dust yourself off, and hit it again by the grace of God. Amen? So here we are in Durham, North Carolina. And we're praying. I mean, we're really praying. What's the next step, Lord? What's the next step? What are we going to do? What do you want us to do? Well, I mean, we're praying in the Spirit. We had $50 left to our name. We had a little automobile. Now, Durham, North Carolina from the Midwest is a long way. And the Lord said, I want you to go back to where you're from. I want you to go back to Minnesota. So we got in our car, put gas in our car, and we had just enough gas and just enough. I mean, we came into Wisconsin on fumes. We, we literally came into Wisconsin. We, we had no money left whatsoever. We pulled into my parents' lake home. My mom and dad were retired at this time. And they had a lake home up in Wisconsin. And we just told them what was in our heart. We told them that we were going to go to Minnesota, that we were going to pastor some churches, and that we were all excited about it. We were excited even though that we didn't have a penny. Why? Because we had hope. And we knew that God had a future for us. And I can remember sitting in the basement of that little cabin, that little house there on the lake, us telling my dad exactly what we were going to do, that we're living by faith, that we've been faithful. And he looked at Brendan and he said, Well, you don't look crazy. Now they knew that I was a little crazy before. 
He said, you don't look crazy. And he said, that must be faith. Let me just testify to what, you hap- what happened, what God did. And God's no respecter of persons. What he's done for us, he will do for you. You just got to make sure you're in the plan and you're on the path and that you're taking steps of faith along with him. Here's what God did. Here's what God did. In that little town in Wisconsin, there was a little women's Bible study. Thank God for women prayers and women's Bible studies. Amen. And they had a little group and they invited us over to preach. It was like saying, sick them to a bulldog. We went over there and preached and they received a little offering for us. We're thinking, thank you, Lord. We didn't come to get something from them. We came to get something to them. And as a result, they got something to us. You know what that did? They gave us enough money to get to Minnesota. We had enough money to get to Minnesota. God's plan. We're on his path. So we're traveling to Minnesota, and we're going to go to a full gospel businessmen's international meeting on an evening banquet night. And the Lord spoke to one of the men's wives to take a $100 bill and put it in her purse. And when you get to the meeting, I'll show you who to give it to. So Brenda and I, now understand this, hardly any money at all. We walked in, and we received that $100 bill from her. Glory to God. You see, there's provision on the path. And then that Sunday, we're asked to preach at a little church, little Pentecostal church, some friends of ours. And they had us preach Sunday morning and Sunday night. I can remember what I preached on. I preached on seven major revelations every believer should know. Amen. And they gave us the largest offering they had ever given to a guest speaker in, in, in their history. It was like $327. $327 in those days was a lot of money. But we still didn't have a place to live. We're sleeping in somebody's basement. We thought we'd be there for a while, but God had a different plan. Why? Because we were on His path. His provision came. So that night afterwards, when we're going out to eat with some of the farmers and some of the people, we're enjoying some fellowship, and John Heidecker says to us, where are you guys going to stay? Where are you going to live? We said, well, we're not sure. We're living over here for now. He said, you know what? I know a chiropractor that lives 60 miles away that has a beautiful lake home fully furnished, and it's wintertime, and it's winterized, and you might be able to stay there. So we made the call the next day, and guess what? we were able to move in there to God be the glory. So we had a place to live. There was groceries in the refrigerator. There was towels. It was a little cold in there, but we had a fireplace. Hallelujah. And we had each other, which is part of the plan of God for your life. But that wasn't all. This is like November of 1978. And we worked with a gentleman by the name of Jim Caseman, who actually is a modern-day apostle. And brothers and sisters, in those days, churches were popping up all over Minnesota. There were home Bible studies, women Bible studies. There were churches starting in holiday inns. There were churches starting in armories. Their churches were started all over the place. And Jim with the apostolic ministry said, look, I want you to go pastor this church in Hutchinson, Minnesota. So within two weeks, we had a full-time pastorate right there in the area. Hallelujah. That's God. That's God. And that's good. 
And then we'd go and pastor there. And then we'd meet up in the afternoon and pastor another church. We pastored church after church after church. And God experienced all because of the great master planner put us on his path. And he had a plan for our lives. And here's the thing, guys. He's no respecter of persons. Wherever you are in life, put your trust in him. Put your confidence in him. Let God do a thorough work of guiding you into all the truth for your life. Well, did you get anything out of today? Amen. Glory to God.